Good morning. Welcome to the first full day of winter. It is Kale and Company live here on this Thursday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at anydelta.com or deltadentalcoversme.com. And joining me on uh, this portion of Kale and Company live on WKXL, a true renaissance man, author, a terrific broadcaster, and uh, many, many years uh, in New Hampshire broadcasting. And when you hear the name, uh, you will certainly recognize it. But more importantly, a wonderful guy and a great friend, Mike Moran. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Ken. You're you're too kind, uh, and we have uh, a lot of shared memories along the way the last couple of decades. So to get on and be able to talk to you on Kale & Company is is uh, it's fun for me. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you with us. And Mike is the author of the brand new book. I mean, brand new book. It's called If These Walls Could Talk, celebrating 100 years of the Red Arrow, America's most beloved diner. And uh, I, I believe that is that is really true. We may not be the diner capital of the world uh, in, in New Hampshire, but we have the best one. So uh, <laughs> we we have to be very happy uh, with that. And uh, Mike, uh, talk about the book a little bit. Uh, it, the Red Arrow uh, all got started in 1922, celebrating uh, 100 years uh, with a, a a tough guy boxer who uh, who had emigrated from Quebec. That's exactly right. And uh, the reason that he emigrated here was not such a good one. But, you know, there's always a silver lining in bad situations. Uh, David LaMontagne, as a schoolboy, attended uh, a Catholic school, and uh, at some point, his son tells me, he was abused by one of the the brothers at uh, the school he attended, and uh, he didn't take too kindly to that, and so he hit this particular brother and realized that nobody would ever believe his side of the story, because even though those horrible things were going on back then, there was very little knowledge that it was, you know, the, the adults that were committing these, these horrible things. So he came down, as you said, to, uh, to Manchester from Quebec, did become a professional boxer, and took the prize money and opened up his first lunch cart. And as a boxer, he had quite a remarkable record. They called him Kit Davies. That was one of his, uh, his nicknames. I'm not sure what class he, he fought in, but uh, I, he only lost out of maybe 40 fights, maybe four or five, and he was never knocked out. So he was successful. He saved his money and opened the Red Arrow lunch cart, which became the Red Arrow Diner. And that lunch cart was uh, on Lowell Street, correct, in Manchester? It, it absolutely was, Ken. You're right. Uh, I don't know if it was at the exact spot, 61 Lowell, where the current restaurant is, but it was probably you know a few hundred feet. Either way, and people wonder where did the <clears throat> name Red Arrow come from? Well, apparently there was an auto repair shop called that right on Lowell Street, and either he or somebody took the name and said, "Well, we'll call it the Red Arrow Diner as well." So these are things that I was able to uh, dig up thanks to the help of uh, his surviving son Ray Lamontagne, no relation to the, the the rock singer from Nashua, by the way. And uh, and he gave me all these stories that. One just led to another, and these are things that we never would have known about the Red Arrow Diner because that was never part of any of the history of the archives that the restaurant keeps on hand. So I felt really blessed to uh, to stumble across 
some of these stories that are in the book. Oh, there there are some uh, great stories uh, in this book from cover to cover. It's a it's a great read. It's a it's a relatively quick read. There are some uh, great pictures in here, and uh, we'll we'll talk about some of those uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, after opening uh, in 1922, uh, the the Red Arrow uh, rather rapidly expanded. Yeah, you're right about that, Ken. Uh, by the end of that decade, uh, there were, gosh, three or four restaurants. A couple of them opened a very short time uh, between uh, openings. So uh, 1929, there were uh, a couple of them that opened. At one point, there was one in Nashua. So I think at its peak, there were five. And uh, along the way, you, you referenced the pictures a minute ago. There's a great shot in there from one of the the fires, and there were several fires. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, you know, restaurants, you know, perhaps some of the safety features on, on the equipment wasn't as good as you would like it to be. And uh, there were at least, uh, I want to say, three fires in the history of the uh, the Red Arrow over the years, most of them between probably 1940 and, and the mid-50s. Yeah, I, I'm looking at a picture right now. I'll hold it up to uh, camera three here in, in the studio. And uh, looking at the picture of the uh, frozen exterior after a February 1946 fire, which destroyed the uh, Red Arrow Diner on Elm Street in uh, Manchester. And uh, as I understand it, reading your book, that was the uh, largest uh, location of the, uh, the Red Arrow Diner, the one on uh, Elm Street in Manchester. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And some of the pictures, you know, the one you're showing, you know, you just it happened during the winter, I think in February or something, and and all the water just froze as the fire uh, firemen put put it out. And uh, I have a bunch of other photos. I mean, I could have almost done a whole chapter on on the fires. Yeah. But you know, that's not such a happy part of it. I just wanted to at least show one picture so people would understand. But I will be uh, doing a number of uh, visits. To libraries and historic associations and stuff, at which point I bring a slideshow along, and I have a lot of other photos, not only from the fires, but other things that, you know, you just can't put in a book that uh, that are pretty amazing. Some of the photos of, of the people, uh, the original chef, uh, it, it, Jim Blanchard, it, it's just, it's just so, it's so Manchester. You know, you look at it, you say, yeah, that happened in New Hampshire. Yep. Good stuff. It, it is, and you know, you talk about the fires and uh, certainly setbacks, but it just goes to show how resilient the uh, the diner has been uh, over its uh, 100 years and uh, continues to be that way. How long did the uh, La Montaigne's uh, operate the diners? They, uh, David La Montaigne sold it uh, in 1962, I believe, maybe 63. I wrote that part of the book probably a year ago, so... I guess I should probably go back and re-read it before I do these interviews. <laughs> but uh, but it was in the early 1960s that he sold it to um, a man who had quite a bit of uh, experience in the hospitality business, hotels and restaurants. And he took it over and held it uh, probably for 15 or 20 years. And then there were a couple of, uh, of other short-term owners, Carol and uh, George Lawrence, the owners, although really Carol is operating it, uh, they they bought it in 1987, so it's been just about 35 years in their stewardship. And boy, have things changed oh, wow. over the last 35 years from the no smoking edict that yep. really just drove everybody crazy. But turned out to be the, one of the best decisions Carol ever made because it eventually led to USA Today naming the Red Arrow one of the top ten diners 
in the USA. And I think it's because of the publicity she got, uh, having the foresight to do that. And she stood her guns. Her dad, George, the co-owner at the time of the restaurant, didn't want her to do that. And the the reason she did, and I hope, hope I'm not jumping ahead in your in your your questioning no. here, but uh, I don't want this to to be forgotten. She had uh, uh, this hero, I guess you might say, or somebody that she looked up to, uh, who was uh, a guy that put out a newsletter that was read by diner operators and fans of diners all over the country back when you would send out, uh, you know, letters and things that people would read, and he uh, he would secretly visit diners and then write about them. And he finally came to the Red Arrow, and she was crushed at his review. When because don't forget, everybody who's anybody in the diner world reads that. And essentially, this guy loved the food. He loved the atmosphere. He hated the smoking. Yeah, and yeah. that really made an impression on Carol. So she began thinking, because when when you actually look at it, people that, that a lot of times come and have a cup of coffee and light up a butt. And sit there for an hour and True. not buy any food or not. So the the booths, the the, the counter seats, they don't they don't turn over. You can't make any money. So she decided that she would uh, involve John Clayton, the much beloved uh, union leader columnist, to uh, kind of go in and do a column on it on the day she was going to flip it over. And she did, much to the chagrin of a lot of the smokers who said, "Oh, we're never coming back here," but she stuck with it. And yeah, business did drop off a little bit, but then it did finally come back. And that, I think, is what caught the attention of the national newspaper USA Today that wrote about it and made her put her on the map as the top 10 diner in, in, in the country. So that, that launched a bunch of other stuff, too, that we can talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. It was, like. a, it was a, a trailblazing move by uh, Carol, a, a great decision. And uh, John uh, was the uh, first. John Clayton uh, broke that news, and it was huge news at the time. I mean, it really, literally was a national story at the time that that, that news broke. Yeah, that's very true, Ken. And anybody that would like to read that column, it is in the book. I, I asked John if, if he minded if I actually took that column from April of 1998 and just kind of copied and pasted it right into the, the book. And so it's in there so people can see exactly how it read back, you know, 25 years ago. Mike Morin is with us, longtime New Hampshire radio legend. And Mike is the author of the brand new book, which would make a wonderful uh, Christmas gift. For someone in your family who has uh, loved the Red Arrow Diner and diners over the years, if these walls could talk, celebrating 100 years of the Red Arrow, America's most beloved diner. More with Mike Morin coming up right here on Kale & Company on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL 1039 in the Capital Region, 1019 in Manchester and beyond, and 1450 on the AM dial, along with uh, nhtalkradio.com around the world and around the clock. And we are joined this morning, so glad to say, by uh, Mike Morin, longtime a great friend. We've uh, worked together in uh, broadcasting. Mike has written a, a number of books about the history of broadcasting in New Hampshire, candle pin bowling, and now 
the Red Arrow Diner. And, uh, Mike, just a, a terrific book. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that it would be a wonderful Christmas gift, a, a great— well, it, it's more than a stocking stuffer. I was going to say that, but <laughs> it's more than a stocking stuffer. If I got this as a gift, I think it would be my favorite present, honestly. You know, well, really. And you've you already did. given it to me, so so thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. I tried to stuff it in your stocking, but it wouldn't quite fit. <laughs> Plus, you were wearing your sock at the time, and uh, you weren't very pleased about that. <laughs> and, and an autographed copy to boot, so, yeah. Well, that's the least I can do. I mean, when you write a book, you know, people appreciate an author's signature. I know I do, so I, you know, I hope I said all the right things on the dedication to you. Well, well you, you sure did, and I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, so where is it available? Uh, it's available in my basement and in my trunk right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the book, as you pointed out, is, is, is really new, and it's not in all the, the bookstores uh, quite yet. So that, that presents a stocking stuffer search uh, issue. Uh, however, uh, it is available, the Red Arrow, uh, redarrow.com. If you just click on merchandise or merch, they're carrying it. I mean, it'll be in Gibson, and it'll be in other bookstores. It'll be on Amazon at some point. Uh, initially, though, just to get it into people's hands, uh, people have been able to uh, come to me directly. And that's the only way you can get a signed copy, by the way, at this point. And if you just look me up on Facebook and just uh, look, uh, you know, there'll be a bunch of Mike Morins when you do the search. Look for the one that's got the little um, portrait of, uh, like, the Red Arrow Cup. You'll see that. You know, that's, that's me. You click on that. You say, hey, Mike. I want 50 books. Can you send, can you send them to me uh, or whatever it is because you want to give it to all your friends and uh, and I'll make sure you get it. Now, whether it gets to you on, to Christmas, probably not. But uh, you know, it's uh, when you when you give back that gift, you know, because we regift things. You know, this will be replacement for whatever you regift that you didn't like. <laughs> but uh, are they available right now at the diners themselves? Uh, I, my impression was that yeah. would be the case. Okay. I, I, somebody told me they went in uh, about a week ago. Didn't see it there, but uh, Carol actually has it for, for, for on sale on the uh, on their website. But again, that would require mailing, and so yep. getting it for Christmas, sadly, I don't think will be the case. But my my hope is it will be in the stores I mentioned here before too long. And then uh, you'll you'll be out on the trail doing a little uh, video presentation uh, concerning the book. Yeah, you know that Kenny. That's what I've really enjoyed about about being an author is, um, you know, I'm not that technically savvy, but I got pretty good at putting slideshows together. Just kind of taught myself that. So uh, for the Candlefin Bowling book, lunch with uh, Tommy and Stacia, I was able to put together some really great photos and some audio. Uh, I also have a, a presentation called Radio Turns 100, which is my most popular presentation. I speak to libraries all the time. And that is, uh, I just went online and grabbed a whole bunch of old snippets of radio shows like, you know, Jack Benny and, and um, you, you name some of these people, and, and they're in there, and I've embedded the audio with some photos, and then I tell stories about sort of the backstories that I've learned uh, while researching. And then for this book right now, I'm, as we speak, putting together the slideshow. I'm also going to insert some audio from the interviews I did that, that led to the book, so a little 10 and 15 second sound bites. So you can hear the voices of the people that I spoke with that gave me these amazing stories. So it's kind of my take on, you know, I'm not doing a movie, but this actually lets me insert myself into the storytelling by showing the pictures, playing the sound, and giving you the backstory. So if you have uh, an organization that would 
like to have an hour-long presentation plus Q&A that follows, or uh, you work at a library or an historic association, this is perfect for, uh, for your, your group. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And uh, you know, looking forward to attending uh, one of those. That would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. You, you mentioned the uh, the cover of the book. You have a uh, a, a the coffee cup, the uh, signature coffee cup with uh, with Mo on it, the uh, mascot of the Red Arrow Diner. Yeah, do do you, I don't know if you got to the part in there of how that came to be. I did. Yeah, so <laughs> it's uh, well the the Mo really it, that is. The, the name of the guy, uh, Maurice, uh, Mo, is the name of the guy that designed it. Uh, his name is uh, Maurice Couturier, who passed away just, I don't know, three or four years ago. But he was doodling and, and, and just kind of drawing things, and, and, um, and he came in one night, and he uh, was some kind of marker. I don't know how he did it, but he, he drew that on the employees' uh, coffee cups, the mugs, and, and gave them to Carol, and uh, she really thought that was pretty amazing, but it was a guy that makes promotional items, you know, like trophies and, you know, travel mugs and things with your logo on it. He said, I, I think we could put these on your coffee mugs and people would like them. Well, the guy was right. So Mo, who, who drew this thing, because he used to work at uh, Hester College, which at the time was right there on Lowell Street, and he would come in with, with one of his buddies and they would absolutely, like clockwork, go there for for a meal every day and so he became very close to the, the staff drew these up the guy produced them and now carol sells just boatloads of them uh she can go to places in the world and it's happened a few times overseas where people might see if she's wearing a, a sweater or something with the mo logo on it the red arrow logo yeah they'll say oh you know i you know i've been there that's that's in america right and and it's really become almost the uh ambassador kind of logo uh, of the Red Arrow Diner. So Carol has had some brilliant marketing ideas, and many of them have worked out very nicely, from the smoking to the mo creation, and uh, then, of course, being on diners, drive-ins, and dives with Guy Fieri. Oh, yeah, it's just incredible. And, uh, you know, I know Carol encourages people, if, if they're going on trips, uh, particularly overseas, to uh, take a picture uh, with Mo. Uh, and, uh, and, and she's, uh, had many of those, uh, posted, uh, I, I see them all the time when I go into the uh, location in Concord on the, on the big screen they have in there. And, uh, it, it's really something, all the pictures that have, uh, come in over the years from people who have brought their Mo mug with them overseas somewhere and taken pictures with it. It's, yeah. And, and uh, people, people send them to their kids in college. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of take taken on a life of its own. And, of course, the extended uh, publicity for this happens every four years with the first in the nation primary, knock on wood, that it doesn't go away because a lot of the broadcasting for Sirius XM Radio is done right out of the diner. Yeah. I don't know how they shoehorn those guys in to do their show, uh, but you've always got the, the next president generally is it does walk in there at some point and uh, kiss babies, uh, sign menus, and, and have a, a quick meal. Oh yeah, I, I think uh, many uh, uh, presidents have, have been in there over the years without question, and, and presidential wannabes as well. But you're right. Uh, I know the uh, you know Sirius XM for a while now has been doing their uh, coverage from uh, from Manchester, from the uh, the Red Arrow Diner on on Lowell Street, and of course uh, many uh, famous celebrities have dined at the uh, Red Arrow 
over the years. Uh, in particular, uh, local favorite uh, Adam Sandler. In fact, uh, he, he's uh, had the diner in uh, at least a couple of his movies. That's true, and he actually, and there's a picture in the book in the center section there, uh, where he actually built um, a, a, a set that looks exactly like the Red Arrow Diner. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he found an abandoned, I don't know if it was a bookstore, some some abandoned uh, building in, I think, Danvers, Mass., and they, they gutted it out, and he built sort of a little dining room area uh, with, with the Red Arrow, you know, silverware and, and the, you know, everything that's right down... And and uh, her son uh, Tyler Isabel was was there for this, and said they used like three seconds in the movie, and they spent probably tens of thousands of dollars building this replica of the Red Arrow Diner, including the front and then inside as well. So you know Adam Sandler has great love for the Red Arrow Diner. He comes in, he's always so gracious because let's face it, when you're Adam Sandler, you can't go anywhere without being mobbed. <laughs> so when you want to go in and have a quiet time, sometimes. I was told that like at 5 o'clock or whatever, early in the morning, he'll grab a, a newspaper and he'll just get in one of the booths and hold the paper up so nobody can see him. He'll have his breakfast and read the paper. So you never know when you're going to run into Adam Sandler. That is true. And who was Stan the Man? Stan the Man was his father, of course. And uh, that, that uh, turned out to be a, a burger named after him and, uh, and a little placard somewhere up on the lunch counter at the Red Arrow on Lowell Street. Hey, Mike, I, I know your time is tight. Could you stay a few more minutes with us? Sure thing. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and then uh, we'll be back and just have a little bit more conversation with our good friend Mike Morin. His new book is If These Walls Could Talk, celebrating 100 years of the Red Arrow, America's most beloved diner. And uh, we'll be back right after these words. Kale and Company on WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Don't forget tomorrow, the Friday Fun Bunch, our Christmas spectacular coming up with uh, Kitty Ray, our resident flick chick. And Tom Raffio, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, both will be uh, with us in studio to celebrate. And uh, we look forward to that and uh, glad to have Cat uh, Martinez back producing today. Uh, she's still a little bit under the weather, but uh, she's getting there. And uh, great to have you back, Cat. And Mike Morin is with us. Couldn't ask for a better guest on this Thursday. And uh, Mike is the uh, author of the new book, If These Walls Could Talk, celebrating 100 years of the Red Arrow, America's most beloved diner. And we talked about uh, Adam Sandler being a frequent flyer at the, uh, at the Red Arrows. T- uh, tell us about Red Arrow Virgins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I hate to ruin it for somebody who hasn't gone in there, nor do I want to scare anybody away. But, and, and nobody's really sure who began this tradition, but for, for people that uh, go into the Red Arrow Diner for the first time, it's usually with somebody who's been there before. And so that person, being aware of this Red Arrow tradition, I'm doing air quotes here, uh, will notify somebody who's working there, maybe a, a server or a host or hostess or, or whatever, and say, hey, this, this person, uh, Billy over here, with, he's never been in here before. Oh, great. <laughs> so uh, what will happen, unbeknownst to Billy, 
is uh, one of the Red Arrow people will go over and ring this bell. Yeah, it's one of those loud, clanking bells and say, Ladies and gentlemen, we have here at the Red Arrow Diner today a Red Arrow Virgin Billy from <laughs> Middleton, Massachusetts. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, uh, he has no idea what is going on, but, you know, nobody ever really gets upset. But I will tell you that uh, you know, we were talking about the political um, people that, that come, because that's a, you've got to be seen at the Red Arrow Diner. Uh, when Hillary Clinton was, uh, was going to visit uh, in the year that she ran, uh, her advanced people, you know, made sure that uh, they'd be ready for her, because usually uh, a candidate of her stature will bring in a lot of people. So they said, but there's, there's one thing we would ask you not to do the Red Arrow Virgin thing with uh, with Miss Clinton. So they, <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they respected that request, and, uh, and as far as I know, didn't do it. Now, I think it shows you've got a sense of humor, and, and um, one of my favorite minutes in politics as a broadcaster was, was uh, speaking with Barack Obama and completely not asking political questions, and he loved it. He shined, and it was, I thought, one of the best interviews. I mean, I'm going to be a little bit unmodest here that, that I'd heard with him, and I think when a politician lets himself be a little vulnerable and, and laugh at themselves, I, I think that probably that works. Now, Given the history of uh, the infidelity within the White House involving her husband, I guess maybe it was a, still sort of a, a sore a sore spot at that point. So you know, I'm trying to look at both sides here. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, that that would have been great. That would have been great. But uh, they were cut off at the pass, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, it, it, you're you're so right about uh, political interviews, and you mentioned uh, Barack Obama and and asking him uh, anything except politics and 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 I think they they welcome that I mean they're able to show another side of them uh, that you don't necessarily get all the time so I, I think they always look forward to that I know anytime that I've had uh, Governor Sununu uh, on the show most of the time we, we talk about you know food he's going to serve at a, a Super Bowl party or you know something like that you know <laughs> so I mean it's it's uh, and I think people like to hear that uh, as well the other side of the of the politician. Mike Morin is with us, and Mike, lots of celebrities at the uh, Red Arrow uh, over the years, politicians, of course, but uh, show business people. I, I guess it was quite a scene the day that uh, RuPaul uh, <laughs> walked into the Red Arrow Diner. I mean, who would have guessed, right? RuPaul, the, uh, you know, whose act is that of a, of a drag queen, you know, like seven feet tall. I don't know if he's quite seven feet, but uh, he's always a very striking figure when he's got his show business outfit on, but when he's not in, in drag, which, you know, isn't his real life, but that's just part of his act, you know, he dresses very smart and is very striking and very handsome. So word spread that he was uh, going to be coming to the Red Arrow Diner, and uh, I'm told that uh, that was one of the biggest crowds they ever had of people waiting to get in to see a visiting celebrity. They were just, they were following him all through the streets, and, you know, then he got here, and people were waiting for him, and, you know, I guess he went into the kitchen and said hi to the staff, and which I think is always a nice touch when you don't forget the people who work there, because let's face it, they're under a lot of stress and pressure when they've got, like, ten times the number of people to take care of, and it's all because a celebrity wants to have some photo ops, really, when you think about it, but but he was very good and went in, took a, a great picture with... Uh, Elaine, the, yeah. the manager at the time, uh, and I, I love that picture. I wanted to make sure that uh, that got a little bit of uh, coverage because uh, 
you know, of course, the height difference. There's a lot of striking things about that photo. So. Yeah, really. And uh, uh, Ru, uh, RuPaul and, uh, and Elaine. And, you know, over the years, of course, over the 100 years of the Red Arrow Diners, uh, there have been many iconic waitresses. But Elaine was certainly one of them. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, I, I remember one experience I had with her when I was there with a, a friend of mine who was, you know, maybe you know, maybe four or five years younger than I am. And we were sitting at the counter uh, one day and, uh, and, and she came over and I, I was a, I was a, you know, a frequent flyer in, in Manchester and she knew who I was. And, and she said, uh, is that your son? <laughs> <laughs> sitting with you. <laughs> oh, really? Five years younger? And he, you know, maybe four or five years younger than me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I, go ahead. And, and no, no, we've been joking about that ever since, you know, and I've, since that time I've called him my son, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. But, but, well, they, but the waitress is there, you know, it was, you know, pretty typical, you know, stereotypical, uh, you know, uh, diner waitresses. And that's a great thing. I mean that as a compliment. Oh yeah, I mean anybody that used to watch uh, Alice, yeah, you know that was set in uh, in a diner, of course, uh, back in the uh, the seventies. But 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 you're right they they really developed almost a personal relationship and still do with the regulars, people that they know, uh, people that come in. You know, uh, you know this particular. I think Elaine said people have given me their kids' report cards, and and it's it's almost as if you are a member of the family, and that's really one of the success points of the Red Arrow Diner, or any diner that succeeds over generations. I mean, this has been 100 years now, and no signs of slowing down. In fact, only accelerating, because yeah. it, you know, a diner is, by all accounts, the heartbeat of a community, and the Red Arrow checks that box in bright red, believe me. No doubt, with uh, locations uh, still in Manchester, the 24-hour-a-day restaurant on Lowell Street uh, in Concord, in Nashua, in uh, Londonderry. Uh, is uh, there any expansion on the docket, Mike? Do you know? Um, you know, George, who is kind of in charge of that aspect yeah. of it, generally is kind of the guy you would ask about that. Um, I don't know. I, re- I I think if the right location came along, I mean, that's, you know, that was one of the problems that they had in Milford. Right. It was there for about 10 years. And it just never had the the traffic. It, it was atypical of uh, a Red Arrow Diner. So they eventually, regretfully, closed it down. But it was a good move because they immediately then opened Londonderry, which has been a home run as oh, well, right yeah. there at ex- exit five off of ninety three. And then shortly after that, uh, as you say, Concord, uh, not too far from you. And is that where you hang out now mostly when you that's, do a Red that's Arrow? That's the one run? I go to uh, mostly now. It used to be Manchester when I lived in the Queen City, but. Living in Concord now, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, really within walking distance, <laughs> so it's very dangerous. But uh, yeah, a little yeah. too convenient. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and I always go there for the holiday stuff. I know uh, I'm going to be visiting my daughters for for Christmas, and and they always request the pork pies. I mean, that's the favorite thing of mine uh, on on the entire menu. The the pork pies are are terrific at the uh, at the Red Arrow. Yeah, it's beautiful that that uh, the Red Arrow has maintained a lot of the traditional menu items and the, the French, you know, the Franco-American cuisine, including the pork pie. Yeah, how many places can you go into, you know, anywhere, and and get a pork pie or at least you know a slice of one for your meal? You, you can't, 
And that, again, another successful ingredient to the Red Arrow Diner is they've kept a lot of the food. You know, there might even be a few things from originally 100 years ago. There's, yeah. uh, I, in the book, uh, one of the picture pages is uh, a menu from the 1920s uh, or 30s. Yeah. And you can see the, the stuff, and you can see how cheap it was. I, you know, uh, 20, 25 cents for this, and love, coffee used to be Love free. the prices, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike, I, I really appreciate your time and a little extra time uh, this morning to talk about your new book, If These Walls Could Talk, celebrating 100 years of the Red Arrow, America's most beloved diner. But I have to put you on the spot. What is is your favorite dish at the Red Arrow Diner? Uh, I got to go for the dessert because I have a sweet tooth, so give me some of that chocolate cream pie, ah, Carol. I love that chocolate cream pie. <laughs> My favorite is the lemon meringue, and boy... They give you some big slices at the Red Arrow. Oh, those, those pies, if you buy an entire pie, those things like weigh five pounds. They're massive. I love it. It's true. It's true. Very true. Yeah. Hey, Mike, thanks so much today. We really appreciate it. And uh, the, the book is terrific. A great Christmas gift or maybe even a post-Christmas gift. Yeah. Uh, but uh, pick it up. And, uh, and Mike, uh, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And Merry Christmas to you. Ken, thank you. It's always a treat to share the airwaves with you, and Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. All right, thanks so much. Mike Morin, author of If These Walls Could Talk, celebrating 100 years of the Red Arrow, America's most beloved diner. We'll be right back. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, right here. And uh, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Thanks to Mike Morin for joining us today, looking through uh, his book, which is a a lot of fun. And uh, I know many of our listeners will be able to relate to uh, the Red Arrow. They, uh, in the picture section, they have uh, a shot of a menu from the 1930s. Now, get this. I, I don't know exactly what year it was in the 1930s, but... You could get a uh, fruit cocktail, a tomato juice or pineapple juice, also a broiled chicken half, or uh, let's see, a fried uh, chicken roast uh, with bacon strips. And uh, the the print is is very small, so it's hard to read. But it's a it's a terrific four course me- four course meal with salad, ice cream or pie, and uh, coffee, tea or ginger ale. All that for a dollar twenty five back in the nineteen thirties. And uh, it's just fun to read the menu. You you kind of need a magnifying glass to read some of them. But uh, some of the evening suggestions include chilled tomato juice, a grilled tenderloin steak, tomato and cucumber salad, and tea or coffee for 85 cents. 85 cents? Yeah, I know we're talking about uh, the 1930s here. Uh, here's, uh, Here's another one. Grilled pork chops. With applesauce, sliced tomatoes, uh, and let's see, sliced tomatoes, uh, French fried potatoes, tea or coffee, 50 cents. 50 cents for grilled pork chops, 
French fries, tea or coffee, fried clams, tartar sauce, coleslaw, French fried potatoes, tea or coffee, 50 cents. (laughs) Italian-style spaghetti with grated cheese, tea or coffee, 45 cents. (laughs) My goodness. Those were the days, my friend. Of course, I I was never around to experience those days, but uh, it's a lot of fun to look back, and uh, I would recommend that book uh, highly for people who have lived in New Hampshire for a while and uh, who uh, probably have visited a uh, Red Arrow Diner along the way. But uh, thanks to Mike Morin for being with us today here on the first full day of winter. We started it uh, yesterday. And uh, at 4.48 in the uh, in the afternoon. And, uh, wow, terrific hockey game uh, yesterday at the Everett Arena uh, in Concord as the uh, Concord High Crimson Tide defeated the Exeter High Blue Hawks in overtime, 5-4, to four, on a goal by Brooks Craig. Five different scorers yesterday for the uh, Concord High Crimson Tide in their victory over the uh, Exeter Blue Hawks. One of their arch rivals uh, in Division One, Exeter, a very good team, uh, but uh, Concord able to prevail yesterday 5-4 uh, to four as uh, just a, a terrific uh, hockey game as uh, Tyler Fennelly was able to keep the puck in the zone in overtime, feed the puck to uh, Brooks Craig in front of the net, and uh, Brooks uh, put it home. Brooks had uh, a goal and three assists uh, yesterday for the uh, Crimson Tide, who go to 3-0 and on the season. And tomorrow, a makeup game at the Tritown Arena in Hooksett. Uh, they'll be taking on uh, Londonderry at 325 on uh, Friday in a makeup from uh, last Friday's game, which was uh, postponed uh, because of snow. Uh, this, by the way, is National Cookie Exchange Day. I know... Uh, Many offices uh, have uh, cookie exchanges and what have you. Uh, We don't do it here at WKXL. We should start a new tradition of uh, cookie exchanges. But today is National Cookie Exchange Day. It's also also, uh, National Date Nut Bread Day. National Date Nut Bread Day. Personally, I would take the cookies uh, any day of the week over uh, date nut bread. And it's also a national regifting day. National regifting day. So uh, there you have it. Some of the uh, days that are being commemorated on this first full day of winter. And uh, tomorrow, we have a rather uh, ominous forecast of uh, heavy wind, heavy rain, temperatures in the 50s uh, tomorrow. They're talking about some coastal flooding as well, and uh, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, uh, the 50s one day, that'll be tomorrow, and then back in the low to mid-20s for Christmas Eve on Saturday, so... Hopefully there won't be too much freezing going on on our highways and byways of the state of New Hampshire. Hopefully not a lot of uh, coastal flooding as well. So uh, keep posted on the the latest uh, forecasts 
and uh, just uh, drive carefully if you're out there. I know most of the schools are closed tomorrow anyway, uh, as the Christmas vacation will uh, officially begin. But uh, just uh, just drive with care. I know people, you know, have a tendency to put Christmas shopping off till the very last few days. I might be in that camp. I'm not going to verify one way or the other, but I might be in that uh, procrastinator's camp. So just uh, just travel with care, especially with the conditions that are uh, forecast for tomorrow. Uh, front page today of the uh, Concord Monitor. Uh, Torrington Properties has acquired the uh, Fort Eddy Shopping Center in Concord that holds, of course, a, a Shaw's Supermarket, Staples, and Eastern Mountain Sports. The price tag was $30 million. And I, I bring it up not only to mention the, uh, the transaction, but uh, Torrington Properties, uh, which has offices in Boston and Durham, is currently working to bring a Chick-fil-A into another one of their properties in the uh, Newington Park Shopping Center in Newington, uh, which they acquired in the fall of 2021. They are working to bring a Chick-fil-A to Newington. Can Concord be far behind? Hey, we're going to have a, uh, in the not-too-distant future, and I know I'm talking a lot about food today, uh, but we are going to have a, a brand-new Popeye's on Concord. If you haven't noticed already, we're going to have a brand-new Popeye's on Concord in the not-too-distant future. And it would be wonderful to have a Chick-fil-A in Concord as well. And who knows? It could happen. I believe the only uh, Chick-fil-A locations in New Hampshire, now I could be wrong, but I believe the only two uh, Chick-fil-A's in the state of New Hampshire are in Nashua, both of them. Uh, one at the Pheasant Gate Mall and the, uh, is it the Pheasant, Pheasant Lane Mall, right? Pheasant Lane Mall. Uh, I think that's what it's called anyway. And uh, on Route 101A in uh, Nashua. I think the only two in the entire state, Chick-fil-A's. And they're all over the place. Everywhere else. But for some reason, we, we are a little slow in getting uh, fast food restaurants uh, here into uh, New Hampshire. But we are going to have a Popeye's, and uh, maybe, maybe uh, in, the, uh, in the future we'll have a, a Chick-fil-A uh, in Concord uh, as well. Who knows? But uh, at any rate, uh, we, we may have a Chick-fil-A. We may have a Popeye's, which we will in, in Concord. We may not have a uh, first-in-the-nation presidential primary. And there's an article uh, concerning that topic today by Paul Steinhauser uh, in the Concord Monitor. And uh, New Hampshire's uh, top liberals say the Democratic National Committee demands put the state in a no-win position. And we know that our total Democratic congressional Delega delegation of uh, Gene Shaheen, uh, Maggie Hassan, uh, Chris Pappas, and, and company. Uh, well, they they are certainly opposed to the moving of the first in the nation uh, primary to South Carolina, and uh, it certainly is, has been uh, something that uh, this state. 
could hang its hat on for over 100 years, having the first in the nation presidential primary. And it may not be happening during the next uh, presidential cycle. We'll find out. The uh, The battle continues, but uh, if you want to read more about it, uh, pick up a copy of the Concord Monitor today and read the front-page article by uh, political analyst and columnist uh, Paul Steinhauser. So that'll do it for uh, this edition of uh, Kale & Company Live here on uh, WKXL. I didn't me- mean to leave uh, Annie Custer's name out of it. But our entire delegation uh, is uh, diametrically opposed opposed to the elimination of the uh, first in the nation uh, Democratic primary. So that will do it for this edition of Kale & Company. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. And if you missed any portion of today's show or simply would like to hear it again, tune in tonight a little after 7 o'clock. Kale and Company live on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental.